0: Today's throwback really comes out of um, when I was thinking about what to title or how to call this throwback message. I, I remembered back when I was just a teenager. Now I'm dating myself. And when I was a teenager, we actually sit at the table and would eat dinner. And then after dinner, we would all get up and walk into the living room. We'd all sit on the couch together. And we didn't have iPads or didn't have iPhone. We would actually have to wait for certain shows to come on, and so our calendars and our daily schedules were set. Like Monday night was A Team. That's what it was. I don't care what was presidential, unless the presidential election was messing up A Team. That's what we watched. All right. And then there were certain nights of the week we always watched certain shows. So as I was preparing, I go what am I going to call this? I don't want to call this message the same I called it. You know, 15 years ago, I want to call it something different. I want. I felt like the Lord. Brought me back to when on Thursday nights, when I was just a teenager, we would get through eating dinner, and then at um, seven o'clock we would all go sit on the couch, and this show would come on. And this is the title of our message. All right, go ahead. guys remember watching that show back then. (laughs) That's a true throwback. Now the premise of that show is this. You know there was a a family grew up in one part of town and you know events happened and they had succeeded in there and they they moved from what one side of town to the other and they find themselves like in the song they considered moving up but what the show what made the show so interesting was although they changed geographical locations they kept bringing back all the main principles from where they had here over to here and it didn't matter you know what level they were on still what was important was still important still what was truth was truth and it was a great show and you know the dude was always getting in trouble but it was a great show and um i'm calling this one moving up Because, man, I don't know about you, but we have all found ourselves, if we remember back just a few months ago, just a year ago, if you remember, it seemed like things were good. And then everything changed. And now we went through all that we went through, and things are kind of feeling good again, but we need to make sure that the same things that were here when things were good are with us here as we begin to build a new normal. Does that make sense? And so... The first throwback, I feel like the Lord told me, we have to make sure is established and rebuilt in our lives. And we're going to go to um, Exodus chapter 19. Now, I'm going to pick up in the story here, and we're going to bring up just a couple of things. Hopefully, you can stay with me for a few minutes. But it's when the children of Israel have been released out of Egypt. They have moved through the Red Sea. They have seen the mighty hand of God move on their behalf in mighty ways, and God got them through all kinds of circumstances and all kinds of situations. I mean, even to the point, even after God delivered them out of Egypt, they got up to the Red Sea, looked like they were trapped, looked like there was no way out. The hand of God moved again and not just got them across the Red Sea on dry ground, but he also destroyed the entire enemy that was chasing them. And God said, the enemy that chased you today will never chase you again. I want you to know this year, you say, well, Cricket, it's a crazy year. It is. Do you remember the prophetic words at the beginning of this year where this year we will see things we've never seen before? How many of you guys can test that is absolutely what's happened. As a matter of fact, this week, I'll be dealing with it, driving home today, uh, we have two hurricanes entering into the Gulf of Mexico. It has never happened before in all of history. There has been two tropical depressions in the Gulf of Mexico at the same time in 1939, and that was in the middle of the Great Depression, but this is the first time in history ever recorded there was two hurricanes, I mean, we've seen some stuff. I mean, we've seen a pandemic shut down the world. We've seen um, nations unrest. We've seen economic failures. We've seen unbelievable. We're about to watch one of the craziest presidential elections, I believe, in all of our lives in history. I mean, we're seeing some stuff. But I want you to know something. If God's letting you see it, if you just keep a hold of God, you're going to see it turn for your good. They truly, truly will. It's going to turn for your good. And everything going on and all the unrest, all that, I'm telling you, you, we may find ourselves living in a new normal, but the same things that took care of us back here, same principles that our lives were built on, will be the ones that will take care of us here. And here the children of Israel found themselves in a wilderness. This is not a good thing. They came out of slavery, which when we read the story, a lot of times we think, well, man, their life is so much better. We're not in their eyes because they were they went out of slavery God's mighty hand moved. to find themselves now in a new normal a new wilderness and they didn't think thank God God delivered us out of slavery they think Lord it we'd rather be back in slavery at least there they said we got to eat leeks and onions I mean well, you bad you you're not looking at right if you're happy about eating leeks and onions that's gross but they were wishing they could eat those again their normal had changed And so, here we pick up the story where God had brought them to a place where the same thing when they were in Egypt that was a foundation had to be reestablished in a wilderness. And what we find here is we pick up in Exodus 19. I'm going to read just a bit for you. And we're going to jump around. I want you to stay with me just a second. It says... On the morning of the third day, there was a thunder and lightning. Now that never sounds good. Right? it doesn't sound good when you wake up in the middle of a storm. All right, but um, there was a thunder and lightning here, and it says with a thick cloud over the mountains. We talked about last week. We felt you know so many people feel like they're just they're living under a fog and living under stuff. It says everyone in the camp trembled. So this did not appear to be good said, everyone trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And it said this, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Here they had come to Mount Sinai. And God said, I want to meet with you. And the Bible says, when they got to the mountain to meet with God, which all sounds really cool, thunder, lightning, a huge cloud that terrified them set on this mountain. And it says, Moses called them all out to gather at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. I want you to know, just because there's smoke doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Just because change doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Just because things are different. I mean, we fight, we resist change so much. But just because it's change and just because there's change doesn't mean God's not in it. It described the storm that set on this mountain first and then it said the reason why the storm was this way the reason why they heard the sounds and they felt the quakes and they saw the smoke it was because god was moving on that mountain i want you to know something in every one of our lives right now even though we're in the midst of all this god is moving in your life the very simple fact that you're even here proves that God is moving in your life because God is the devil would do everything he could do to keep you from even being here keep you from even tuning into this because the devil would never let you want to hear what you need to have going on in your life right now and so the very fact that you are means God is moving and a lot of times God's not recognized a lot of times God uh, some of the greatest trials I've went through I told you this before. The, one, the greatest ones that I went through as a family. As soon as it was over, my wife was like, wow, I'm so glad. Man, I, I would, if I would have known God could have used that, I would, I would go through it again. I said, I'm not there. <laughs> I didn't see this as being worth it. And it took about two years honestly of walking past that thing before and I was I was honestly I've shared this you. I was driving one day and said God Jennifer says that was worth it to her but what about me I mean you're being unfair because that was not worth it to me I felt like the Lord said turn around and look and when I did I turned around looked over the last two years from since that had happened and everything was good and he said is it not worth it and tears began to run down my face that day and I started thanking God for letting me go through. That was so bad because it had become so good. I'm telling you, if you can't see the good yet, just give it a little bit more time because before it's over, it will be good. But it says, And the Lord descended on it with fire and smoke bellowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder and then Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. Man, isn't that awesome? I mean, that is so odd. That, but see, when they were there, it didn't seem awesome. It was a very scary moment. And, very, very, and it probably appeared that God was mad. Because the way God showed up... Made, now, Jennifer, uh, if you're if your personality, I'm a D personality. Jennifer is an I personality. And the problem with Ds is they cannot... You can read this thing on the team, A D, you cannot keep a D. I mean, if you look at a D in the face, you know right where you're standing. They cannot hide emotion. Now, eyes. Them are tricky suckers. Because Jennifer can have a smile on her face and be angry on the inside. You know I mean? So I have to watch myself when, like I say, when Jennifer walks in. I have to make sure which one am I fixing to get. She knows right when I walk in the door. Here is like God showed up on the mountain and it appeared he was angry. He appeared he was angry. And I want you to understand how they responded. And the Lord descended on the mountaintop, the mountain, and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up. It said, The Lord came down on the mountain, and God spoke. What did God say? What did he say? In verse 20, it says, And the Lord descended on top of the mountain. It said, Well, 19 says, And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. What did God say? In verse 20 it says, and the Lord descended on the top of Sinai and called Moses to the top. So Moses went, God said, come up here Moses. Come up here. Now jump over to Exodus chapter 24. i got to have you all over the place, Tony. I didn't give you my notes, did I? We're going to pick up in the same story here um, because we're going to start now on the descent, or the ascent that Moses began to climb up the mountain. It says, and he said to Moses, come up unto the Lord, thou And Aaron, and Na'hab, and Abuha, Abuha, whatever how you want to pronounce his name, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off, and Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh. Neither shall the people go up with him. And Moses came up to the and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And the people answered with one voice and said, All the words of the Lord hath said we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and arose up early in the morning and built an altar under the hill and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent a young man of the tribe of Israel which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it on the basin. And I'm, this gets all. And verse 8 says, And he took the book of the covenant. Verse 8 says, He took the blood. Verse 9 says, And Moses went up with Aaron, Nahab, Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the, the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it was a paved work of sapphire stone, as if they were, there was a body of heavens in its clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand, so they saw God and did not and did eat and drink. And the Lord said to Moses, "Come up to me unto the mountain and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone and law and commandments which I have written, and thou mayest teach." of them. And then Moses arose up and his minister Joshua. And Moses went up to the mountain of God. And when he said to the elders, Tarry ye here for us, yet we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. If any man have any matters to do, let him come unto them. And Moses went up unto the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called out to Moses in the midst of the cloud. And the of glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on top of the mountain in the eyes of the children. And Moses went up in the midst of the cloud and he got, he got with him up into the mountain and Moses was in the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Now let me break this down to you real quick. The world had changed. It went from slavery to wilderness. Life had completely changed and they weren't real sure if all the change was good. They come to a place in this wilderness, where God says, I want to meet with you. I want to have an encounter. And when you read on through, if you read those chapters all the way through, that's what the Bible says, so God came and sat on Mount Sinai. When they got to the foot of Mount Sinai, God came and sat on it. And it says, Moses called all the people to the foot of the hill. When they all came to the foot of the hill, it said they were terrified and trembled. And God spoke to Moses, and Moses spoke back to God, and God said, come up the mountain and worship me. But the people said, no, Moses... We're not real sure about this. It says, we want to stay here. You and the elders go up. But we will stay here. And the Bible says this. The Bible says, they built a barricade at the foot of the mountain between them and the presence of God so that because they were afraid, no harm could come to them. Then the Bible says that Moses, Joshua... And to the best of of what the Bible here records, it says that there was Moses... It says... um, Let me read the name to you. It was Moses, Aaron, Nahab, Abuhu, and Joshua, and 70 elders. So to the best of our knowledge, there were 75 people that decided that, you know what? What God is doing, although we may not understand... Although it may seem different, it may not be real clear, it doesn't maybe seem or look like the God that we have heard about, that we willing to climb over some barriers to get to. And the Bible says 75 of them went up the mountain. Then when they got up the mountain, the Bible says they were all standing there. They looked up and it said they saw the feet of God. Within the smoke. And he was standing. It was beautiful. It was like jewels. And it was amazing. They could feel the mountain quake. Now they were standing on it. They could see the feet of God. But the 73 elders, to the best of what it described there, decided this is far enough for us. You, Moses, go ahead and the Bible says Moses and Joshua continued to climb up into the mountain then they got to a point where God called unto Moses and Moses told Joshua Joshua you must stay here because I'm going to go on up the Bible says when he got to the top of the mountain for 40 days Moses stayed there and this is what the description as you read on in Exodus says it says God met with Moses face to face hand to hand mouth to mouth as a friend speaks to a friend. Right. To the title of my message today is, is Moving On Up. And there's been so much happened, so much went on. Normal has changed. God has changed everything around us. And we're all trying to make sense of what it is, but there are certain things that were true here that must be true there. From the very beginning, the whole purpose of God was to walk and talk with man, hand in hand, Face to face, mouth to mouth, as a friend speaks to a friend. That's the way it started in the garden. The Bible says that Adam with God would come down in the garden, in the cool of the day, every day, and walk and talk with God. But then the Bible says that because of things that Adam did, everything changed, and then that right was taken away. But God's longing and desire was to have that communication again. so here he had to call Moses up to be able to do it again. One of the throwbacks that we must keep in our life today is the communication the experience, and the, the experience of us having an encounter with the presence of God. But not everybody experiences that. I'm afraid and I feel like the Lord put this hard on my message because the enemy, just like the children, they're so afraid of what's going on around them. There's so many people in churches right now, so many Christians that used to be a part of what God's doing, but now everything has changed so much now that it's like they don't really know if they can be because everything looks different, everything's shaking and moving, and everything's shifting. But God is saying, "Come up, come up." But there are certain Christians, there's certain people that it used to be a part of, it, but they're saying, "You know, I'm afraid, so let's build up some barriers. I'm only going to connect with God through Facebook, or I'm only going to stay involved in church through outside connections." Or I'm only going to, the, the, the enemy has tried to use this season to put barricades between us and the presence of God. You need to understand, the people that stayed at the foot of the mountain, they could see from a distance, the Bible says, what God is doing. I, I'm here to tell you, you say, Craig, I'm not safe coming into church. Well, then you need to be a part of the church online. And that means you need to participate on the church online. That means when you're in this church service online, even if you're at home, you're commenting, you're speaking, you're letting us know you're there, you're being a part, you're you're, failing. you're praising when you're praising. It's real easy because I was there just several months ago, sitting at home watching church, watching Leah lead praise, and I would be watching Leah lead praise. And I was watching from a distance because the enemy tried to put barricades that would keep us from coming over. Now I understand the pandemic's real. I understand what we're going through is real. But let me ask you: Are there any barricades that aren't that visible? I mean, is it that maybe you just didn't feel like it today, or maybe you know you it would just be easier to stay at home this one? Or is it? My question is: What barricades are are the enemy you allowing to be built between you and the presence of God? Because you got to know something. The same thing that got you through when things are good will be the very same thing that will get you through things when they're different. Amen. And you need the presence of God more in your life now than you have ever needed it before. You say, well, cricket, is it got to be church? Well, the Bible clearly tells where His presence rests. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of His people. Now, it doesn't say God inhabits praise songs. It doesn't say that. It says He inhabits the praises of His people. And i got to be honest with you, I drive in my car a whole lot. I listen to a whole lot of praise music. But the truth is, just because the praise music is playing in my car doesn't mean God's inhabiting that space. It isn't until I start praising because I'm one of His people. And when, when rooms like this, people are, are lifting up praise, doesn't mean the praise of God is inhabiting those spaces. And so the enemy will try to make convenience a barrier from me getting into the... I've got something coming up. Now the Bible said this, that those at the bottom, let me tell you what happens to people that allow themselves to see God from a distance. The Bible said the children of Israel came and they gathered at the foot of the hill. And when they ascended up on the mountain, it says they turned back and went back to their tents. And then it became a habit. The Bible says that In other states, or other parts of Exodus, it says when Moses would go into the tabernacle, said the pillar, the presence of God would come upon the tabernacle, and Moses would go in. It says, and then the children of Israel would stand at the doors of their tent. They would watch Moses go in, and then they would turn back and eat their meals with their family. I want you to know something. The enemy would love nothing more right now than for the presence of God to be something that you watch from a distance. And you didn't know, those that were watching from a distance, it wasn't very long, just a few days later, those very people that saw God, felt God, had been delivered by God and led by God. The Bible says they were standing at a foot of a mountain and they were taking the things that God had given them, the gold and the the money, and they were melting it in a fire and they were forming a calf that became their God. You cannot afford... To worship God at a distance you cannot afford to see God at a distance you cannot afford to be what God be a part of what God's doing and you just watching it because maybe you're a little unsure or maybe you're a little worried you you do everything you can do to come up as high as you can go now that was the first group now you want to say that the, the whole premises of God is um, about How close God wants you to be his whole plan was how close he can get you now this Bible the Bible says there were four different levels that people could go to people could stay at the foot of the mountain the foot and worship God and see God from a distance but there was no life change in their life there was no effect that God had on them there was no Happiness, no joy, it, nothing, the, the fear that they were carrying still stayed with them. The worry, the anxiety that they were dealing with, they were still dealing with it. The desires and the longings that they were, it was still there. They were, they were having to go through everything, knowing that there was a difference, but not choosing to make that step over. They stayed behind barriers of fear, stayed behind barriers of ease or comfort or convenience. But then the Bible said that there, were a, there was another group, and it was the, the leaders, there were those that understood there 's more, understood there 's responsibility, understood that you know God has more for me and he 's made it available he 's invited us to go higher and if we 're just willing to move on up, then we can receive and experience God at a greater level and the bible says the seventy Three elders went up with Moses and Joshua, and when they got to a certain level, it says they began to see God in ways that they had, no one else did. No one else got to see how beautiful His feet were. No one else got to see. They began to feel the effects of God going on around. Now, I'm here to tell you, you, know, you can watch... God from a distance, and there's no change. You're, your life, you're still dealing with everything, and the world's constantly still pulling back on you. And then you can decide to take a step over the barrier and go up a little higher, just like the 73 elders did. And when they got a little bit higher, they began to feel the effects of God. They began to see God like other people hadn't seen Him before. They began to realize things about God because it's it like they could see, it was, they could see through things. But then they stopped. Now, this is a dangerous place, and I've watched it happen. This is why you call the trap of religion. Because it's real easy for the enemy to, if he couldn't get you to stay at the foot of the mountain and watch God from a distance, his next goal is to get you to step across the barrier and get to be a part of something, be a part of a group that is moving up higher, but you're only going as far as man is involved. And that's what you call religion. Because, see, church as an organization is a religion. But church as a relationship is Christianity. And there's a difference. I know people that have went to church their entire lives wouldn't miss a Sunday for anything. They, they they're involved in every club, they're involved in every board, they do every small group and all that. But church remains a religion in their life. And you can usually tell when someone is in danger of falling in this trap of church being a religion is when they get to a point that, you know what, they're not going to take a step on over where other people have found a relationship. And so they start fighting for positions, or fighting for control, or fighting for the different areas in the church where they can influence people. These 73 people here, they were great men, great, great leaders, leaders of these tribe, They were leaders, the Bible says, but they had only moved up close enough in their relationship with God that it became religious. And so I'm sure at times they felt good about it. I'm sure at times they felt proud of what they've done. The thing about it was there was no real life change. And so the same things they started walking up the mountain with were the same things that they stopped at that level with. They were still just living an ordinary life. They saw God. They knew God was real. They knew they could feel the effects of God. And they had a deeper understanding of who God... You know, you can know a lot of the Bible and still not know God. You can know a lot about a movie star and not know the movie star. You, you can know a lot, and these that 's what religion will do. Religion will try to get you so informed on things, try to get you do it going to all, and i got to be honest with you. I mean you just stay religious and you're just it 's a matter of time before you get hurt, because climbing up a mountain to a certain extent and stopping is dangerous. And you allowing your spiritual walk to just be religious and not be relationship where you just get involved in church because it's church and that's what Christians doing, or you're looking for the big. and you get to a place, it's a matter of time before you get hurt. Because the truth of the matter is relationships are messy. There's probably been nobody ever speak as hateful and as mean to Jennifer as I have. And that's just the truth. I'm her husband. And I'm ashamed of it. And I've repented when I get angry and would do it. But the truth is relationships are messy. Thing about it is, she said some pretty mean things to me too. <laughs> but the truth is this, we love each other and we we iron sharpens iron. That's what relationships do. But it's dangerous to move spiritually to a point and there not be any relationship. Because what will happen is it's a matter of time before you're hurt. have got to be honest with you. If anybody in this room would even say anything close to some of the things that Jennifer has said to me, you better duck or run. Just the truth of the matter. Because our relationship, that's how yeah, we work through the day. But if you don't have that relationship with me, you better not tell me that, all right? So, because it's going to hurt me, and then you're going to end up getting hurt too if I can possibly do it. That's just the way relationship works. So if you were in a relationship You grow. But religion without relationship, you'll end up being hurt. Now I'm going to be honest with you, I've watched people over the years when things were good and people come into church and and they don't understand that, yes, you get to God coming through different avenues of religion. But if you just stop at religion, it's a matter of time before you get hurt. You know how many times people walk out of church and say, well, I quit because that church hurt me. Let me be honest with you, church never hurt anybody. It hasn't. You may not have agreed with what it is. You may not have. But the church, you hurt because you were in this thing because of religion. There's a lot of restaurants that cook food I don't like. I don't claim it hurt me. There's actually been restaurants I went to and ate food. And uh, I got food poisoned at it. But it wasn't the, the restaurant that hurt me. It was the bad food that I ate that hurt me. Does that make sense? I've actually been at restaurants and ate and hurt my you know, bite my tongue or break a tooth and it would hurt. But I didn't stop eating. If you get hurt in a church, it's because that's the sign you need to keep climbing up higher. Because where you're at is you're on a ledge of religion. And on the ledge of religion is very dangerous. Because it's only a matter of time before you get hurt. Because if you take an experience and you have to grow through it and there's no relationship, you will just be hurt. And so my question is, where at in your life? Spiritually speaking, are you dealing with hurt or offense? Because if it is, then I believe it's God trying to say, you need to come on up higher. You need to come out of this religion. What religion says is how Christians should walk, how Christians should talk, how the church should function, how the church should run. The truth of the matter is this. Religion is man's effort to get to God. Relationship is God's effort to get to man. That's why he sent his son, not a rule book. People say, well, the Bible is a rule book. No, it's the word of God. It is the voice of his son. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He sent his son, and so if if you're at a spot where, yeah, and I believe during all the pandemic and all, I mean you don't know how many times as a pastor, I, I told this in the first church, and I'm going to I'm going to ask the church to pray with me just for a bit on take on this challenge with me. I Man, I understand I'm way over my head here. Uh, I'm not. If you belong to church and God put you in this church, God help you, because. I'm the pastor of this campus, and God help you. All right, because he could have picked a lot better people than me. I question all the time. God, why don't you get a good pastor for that campus? Those people deserve a good pastor. Truth of the matter is, if 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 I, I've tried to lay it down, I've tried to go away, it, but it's the call of God on my life. And so until you kick me out, I'm here. And so if you're here, you're dealing with it, okay? But the thing about it is I understand I'm not the greatest pastor because I'm not uh, in my giftings of a pastor, I'm not the greatest pastor. As a matter of fact, I have very few pastoral gifts. If you're a church at all, that you can take spiritual giftings tests and there's a five fold ministry. I'm not a very good teacher. I'm not a very good pastor. Okay? Where I'm high on the spiritual giftings test is I have a high evangelistic gift. All right? So that's weird that I'm in this position. I question God of it all the time because it would be real easier for me to be an evangelist. Would you show up at a church and do crusades or kids' crusades? And if anybody gets mad, you're gone to the next church next week. I did that for years. A lot easier. But that's not when God changed everything. He's growing me too. But saying that to say this, this week, um, if you go to the church, you need to understand the kind of church you go to. Is that that's not my strongest gift? Now, our senior pastor of this church, Pastor Jerry Ables, my father, is probably the greatest pastor to ever walk the face of the planet. He oozes. Pastoral care. When he walks into a room, you just feel a wave of pastoralship come in, you know. And so I, I've lived under that shadow for years. You know, back um, when I was in high school, the bracelet would be WWJD. It kind of stood for who drew, we drink. Jack Daniels back then. But then, when I started hearing the call of ministry for my life, instead of it being what it was supposed to be, what would Jesus do? that WWJST I let it interpret for me what would Jerry do. And because I would try to be what my dad was. I got to be honest with you. He's a nice guy. <laughs> he really is. And you know, he can he can spend 5 minutes with you and just love on you and care on you. Got to be honest with you. That's not me. <laughs> right? And I explain it a bit because so it took years that I kept trying to be the giving that my dad was. And saying that, I say this. This week, um, and so in the role that I'm in, I take it very serious. I don't take this thing lightly. So the role that I'm in, I get phone calls all the time. And i got to be honest with you, I'm, I know I'm way over my head. I'm not gifted in this. That's why I believe God put me here because I desperately need God to do what I do. I believe that's why God called Paul to the Gentiles, the unschooled, because he was so schooled. He called Peter the fisherman to the Jews because that were very schooled. God will put you in where you, can't, where you won't be able to land on your own two feet. It's going to take his. So I got a call this week and said um, that a member of our church, his name is Larry Horn, he sat right there this morning. We prayed for him in the early service. He got diagnosed last week with three weeks to live. They gave him three weeks to live. And I got told, Kenneth has a pastoral gifting. Our Celebrate Recovery pastor has a pastoral gifting on his life. He sent me a text Tuesday night say Larry was just diagnosed with cancer. They gave him three weeks to live. Will you call him? I said, of course I will. Well, I didn't call. Alright? So that was Tuesday. Wednesday, I got up, got before the Lord. And I did not get a word. So I did not call. Thursday... I get up, I get up, well, Wednesday night, Cindy Morrison, where's Cindy? She, she was in the early service. There she is. She sends me a text. Hey, Larry was diagnosed with three weeks to live. And I I know. I already knew. She told me that Wednesday, and I didn't call. Thursday, I got up and got before the Lord, and I did not get a word. So I did not call. Pastor Doris, our pastoral care pastor at this campus, sends me a text. Hey, Larry has been diagnosed with cancer. They give him three weeks to live. I got Friday morning, didn't call. And you say, Well, cricket, you're not a very good pastor. I told you that, right? (laughs) But what I've learned about my position is this. I could make the call. And I could tell you what my opinion is about all that. But in this position, my opinion's never helped anybody. And so there are times I've just learned as I've gotten older, is I can make the calls but without a word I'm not making a difference and just a few weeks ago when I got uh, I got in went to bed at 8 o'clock and uh, woke up about 5.30 and started getting and going to my phone getting all the texts and calls where sister Vashta's son Ricky my dear friend had died and I knew Vashta would be awake she's awake at 5 every morning right? and I went out and I sat on my porch for about an hour hour and a half I didn't call because I knew if I called, I was going to give her my opinion. And she did not need my opinion. I've got a lot of opinions. You can ask Jen. <laughs> and I, I usually... real. But when it comes to spiritual matters, I've learned my opinion don't change anything. As a matter of fact, it just makes it worse. So I needed a word. And so Saturday morning I got up. And when I got up Saturday morning, I was like, God, I was just worn with this thing with Larry. I mean, my dear friend, I've, uh, me and Larry... He we've seen God heal him of cancer five years ago, but here it is back and then Saturday morning God gave me a word. And I called Larry. I wasn't I mean, if I would have called him Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I would have let him lay his head on my shoulder. I would have cried with him and wept with him because that's what I thought pastors were supposed to do. And that's what pastors do. I gotta be honest with you, I'm not a very good pastor. I know the giftings and that's why when people come to me and say, Cricket Man, I blew it. The response to me is, get up, knock the dust off your feet and let's go, man. Let's not stay. Are you going to keep laying there? All right, what good's that do? Get up and let's go. That is, so if you're needing some encouragement, I usually make the call. <laughs> if, you, if you ever call for pastoral help in this church, you're probably, if it's a pastoral, if you need a pastoral word, you're either going to get a call from Sister Doris. Brother Yvette, Brother George, because we have pastors, I've surrounded myself with people that are pastors. Because I know what I am, and I know when God gives me a word, I will call and give. it. so, Saturday morning, the Lord gave me the word for Larry. It says this, He shall live and not die, and he shall declare the glory of the Lord. But if I would have called him Wednesday, I wouldn't have had that. If I'd have called him Thursday, I wouldn't have had that. If I'd have called him Friday, I wouldn't have had that. I did not have that till Saturday. I said, "So Larry, over the last month, I've talked with you about eight times, and every time I've talked to you, you told me what you're planning on doing next year and the next year. And you, he, he's laid out the last it's weird because me and Larry ain't talked about this stuff in years. And he laid out the last five year, the next five years of his life. And so for me to hear he's dying in three weeks and all the conversations I've had with him, I met his son last week in the foyer and they were making. Plans Plans when he comes back. And I was like, so God, this came, not I was wrestling with this. I know what the man's plans, but I also know what the doctor said. So how do I walk through this? And I felt like, he shall live and not die. And the Lord told me, are you going to take this land down? Or is this church going to stand up and fight? And so in the last service as a church, we decided, we're going to stand up and fight for what the Word of God says. And so I'm going to ask you, over the next 21 days. See, 21 days, they gave him 21 days to live. Over the next 21 days, I'm asking this church to stand up and fight. I'm asking you to go up a little bit higher. The Bible says, some prayer, uh, some miracles only come about by prayer and fasting. In the service before, we gave out his number to everybody that are going to connect with him. We, had, we did it in the first service because it says, if there be any sick among you, bring them to the elders of the church, let them anoint you with oil, pray the prayer of faith, and they shall recover. So the older people, of our church, come to the um, earlier service. So, um, just because you're in here, obviously you're young. So I tell telling Miss Cindy, you know, I was read an article this morning, uh, early about five o'clock this morning, that said this generation, the oldest generation living right now, they're younger than any other generations ever been. And the, it had about 40 pictures, and all of them had amazing hairstyles like Miss Cindy's. Every one of my cousins, it's very cool. So that's why Miss Cindy's in this one, right? but she was in the other one too. But so they we know pray, and we pray. So I'm gonna ask you this week, over the next 21 days, we're gonna fight this thing. I I mean, I'm telling you, I asked Larry, I said, Larry, do you want to live? He said, yes. I said, do you want to fight? He said, yes. So we said, then we will. The Bible says brothers were born for adversity. We're going to fight with you, Larry. And Larry said, I'm ready to fight. So what I'm going to ask you to do over the next 21 days, I'm going to ask everyone that will, that loves Larry and will fight for him, to fast something in the next 21 days, whether it be a Coke, a dark pepper, and you pray. You pray and if I See, Daniel, the Bible says Daniel went before the Lord and asked for something. And the Bible says that he didn't get his answer. For 21 days, he prayed. And on the 21st day, the angel of the Lord appeared before him and said, Well, you prayed for the first day. We heard you. He said, But there was a war in the heavenlies. And we have just won, so here's your answer. Here's what we're dealing with. There's a war in the heavenlies over Larry. The Bible says he shall live and not die and declare the glory of the Lord. The Bible says this, that by his stripes, by Jesus' stripes, Larry was healed. It says was. It doesn't mean that this deal we're dealing with. The only thing ain't got to be done anymore. He's going to be healed. We're going to see Larry. And I told Larry with all of my heart, because I heard the Lord speak, in 21 days I will see him stand here still living and declare the glory of the Lord. I need you to fight with us as a church. I said that to say this. See, religion don't do that. Religion don't do that. And the leaders here, the children of Israel, got to this level of religion where church was just a thing. But yet they stopped because they, and they, were, they could see, but there was no effectiveness. I've got to be honest with you. I live in a world today that I need the relationship that I have with my father and my brother Jesus to be fighting for my kids daily while they're in the public school. I'm in a place in time right now where I need God fighting for my finances and warring, sending his angels to keep me in all my ways. We live in a time that what held us here is going to have to be a part of what's holding us here. And a lot of things have changed, but one thing that can't change is your desire and your pursuit for the presence of God. And so religion will get you here where you can see God do things, but it won't ever change you. But then the Bible says there were two that went on up higher on the mountain. Joshua and Moses. They went up into the smoke. Went up into the presence And their lives began to change. Now what do you think would have made that special? What would have made it more important? Why would Joshua... To this point, Joshua was a servant boy. He was not the Joshua we know that took the promised land. This was a servant boy. This job was to clean the church. The only reason why I can find that any reason why I gave God Joshua the right to move up beyond the religious leaders was that the Bible says previously that when the presence of the Lord would come and send on the temple and Moses would enter, so Joshua would go with him. It says, but when Moses would leave, it says Joshua would stay for a while. That's a big statement. Joshua valued the presence of God. Even when nobody saw, even when nobody cared, Joshua valued being in the presence of Jesus. Now, You say, well, obviously, you know, he had more free time. than No, Joshua had a wife. Joshua had a job. Joshua had kids. But Joshua valued the presence of God and he knew the work and the connection that I have with the church would allow the presence of God to affect me in a way that it may not affect it. Joshua was the least qualified to take the army and the children of Israel into the promised land. But he was chosen by God because he valued the presence and a relationship with him. And when God should have picked Aaron, or God should have picked one of Moses' sons, God picked a servant boy that valued the presence of God. Because what would make a servant boy qualified to be General Joshua? It was the transformation that happened in the relationship in the presence of God. He was willing to go higher than anyone else. This is the danger there. When people just value the presence of God so much that they're willing to invest their whole life into it. They usually come into churches and you say why is it churches? Because this is the body of Christ. If you want to get closer to God, get in a church somewhere. Get connected to His body. But then the Bible says that you know that he would work in the temple and he would clean the temple or the, the tabernacle, and this is the danger I've seen. But as the ascent went on, Joshua stopped. He was already that far, but he stopped, and this breaks my heart because I watch it. Having there are people that desire the prince of God so bad that they'll move into leadership and servanthood in the church, they'll move into the value of the prince of God. They come there, they get involved, they start doing, they teach kids guys, they get in. But the thing about it is this. The relationship becomes a work or a project or a job. And it loses its power. i got to be honest with you. Ministry work alone will burn you out. Ministry work alone will wear you out faster than anything else. You ever heard of fruit rotten on the vine? When you move into the place of ministry work... You position yourself at a place where if you don't realize there's more for God that God has in store for you than just what it is I do, and you focus completely on the hands of God and just doing the work of God and being used by God, what happens is it's real easy to die on that level of the mountain. I've watched it for years and I've the last couple of years, I've tried to get as loud as I could possibly get because of it. I've looked in my past in times where I would be serving the Lord and I would burn out in areas and I would, I would find myself sliding back down the mountain when I was up there so far at one point because the work of the ministry alone would destroy you. And I've watched sound men and I've watched ushers, and I've watched children workers come in, and God transformed their life. They climbed over barriers. They went up the mountain. They had a relationship and an experience with God. They move into the side of the work of the ministry. But then they stop there. And they stay so busy doing the work of the ministry, they burn out on that level of the ministry. And then they begin their descent down. And the truth of the matter is this. You have to understand at that level, there's more. Of any other level you've ever been to. Because see, Joshua was in it. He was in it. In the smoke. In the fire. But yet he didn't get to the top. And he never got the experience or the encounter. Now he got it later. He, he saw it happen in Moses' life so he knew it was achievable so he got it later. The Bible says that an angel of the Lord appeared before Joshua and the angel said, Who's side? Joshua said, whose are you on? He said, I'm on the Lord's side. And so Joshua chose to be on his side. And so he got it later. But in this season of a throwback, don't let church be just a spiritual relationship with the hands of God. Because the hands of God will wear you out. Don't just come and serve and never sit in a service. I'm going to step real hard. Is that all right? I believe one of the reasons why we were progressing toward revival several months ago. If you were with us, remember I felt like the Lord told us when they were all in one accord. And there were two services I called the service. Met with the leader. So listen, at this point in the service... I felt like the Lord told me He's going to show up today if we will all get in one accord. And so I need everything to shut down. At that moment in the service, I need everything to shut down. I need everything. I don't care what's going on. Everything's shut down and we all move into one accord. And there were people that chose in our ministry team at that moment that what they were doing was more important Than what God was about to do. And I'm just going to tell you honestly. They're not here anymore. And they've been with us for years. They're gone. Why? What happened? What happened? Because you can get to that level of the ministry. And burn out. That quick. You need to understand. It's not levels of ministry. That will get you through this. It's the relationship. That God is desiring. And he's calling you up to. I can live without ministry. There have been times I've walked away from it. But I've never been able to live without God. There's never been times since I saw that that I didn't find my... I, there were times some of you here. I sat on the front row for three months because I could not do ministry. People were saying, come on, get up, do it. I couldn't. There was not enough strength in me too. But I also knew if I let myself get away from the presence of God, there would never be. You can't let ministry be where you stop. But then the Bible said this. The Bible says Moses kept going up. And when he got to the top, something happened. The Bible says God came in, got into his face. And it said that, the, he got in his face and says he began to speak face to face, mouth to mouth, as a friend speaks to a friend. There is a place... In your relationship with the Lord. That ministry is a privilege. It's not an achievement. There's a place where religion is a door. It's not the relationship. And there's a place where no barrier will ever be able to pull you back past. Because you've had a relationship with God where he has spoke to you face to face, mouth to mouth. I don't care what I go through. You can watch the rest of my life. If you fire me. And move on. Just watch. I will never be at a place where I will not have a relationship with God. I don't care if I go to the lowest of the low or the highest of the high. I don't care if I'm on the tallest mountain or in the deepest sea. David said this, no matter at my highest high, lowest low, where would I go from your presence? I've decided God's not going to go anywhere with me or me either. It's a decision you got to make. See, God could have came down the mountain to meet with Moses, but He didn't. He said, I've got to see you put some effort in. That's why the Bible says, you got to get up and do it. If you'll draw close to me, I will draw close to you, the Lord says. We put all the work on God. God, if you want to change me, do it. No, get up and change toward God start making a move toward God and God will make a move towards you in this season right now our throwback is this what got you to the Lord you keep doing what got you close to the Lord you keep doing you value the presence of God and understand you need it bad enough so that it will change everything about you everything that has been holding you back everything that has been holding you down is transformed in the presence of God Moses glue with his glory So, my thing is this it's time for us to move up. Let me ask you this are you, honestly, are you happy with where you are with the Lord right now? Are you as close to God as you want to be? Are you as close to the Lord as you know He wants you to be? Do you hear God saying, Come up closer, come up closer, come up closer? I hear the Lord telling me every day, Cricket, you've been walking with me for 20 years, but you're not close enough. You need to keep walking. You need to keep getting closer to me every single day. Every single move. Every single action. Because if you keep drawing close to Him, the Bible says He will keep drawing close to you. The throwback is, you need God now more than ever. And He's calling you to come up. So it's our turn to rise. And you say, well, Cricket, that's a neat story in the Bible. No, it's his entire layout. When he gave the tabernacle, the plans of the tabernacle, he laid it out the exact same way. In the tabernacle, you know, if you want to look it up in your Bible, it's in the book of maps in the back. Open it, it's that picture of the tabernacle. He built it like this. He said, there's an outer courts. And that's where everybody lives. He said, that the whole people would come up to the outer courts and they would sacrifice their things. And that's where a lot of people do. It's where a lot of people's relationship with God is. They come to the relationship with God, and they lay a sacrifice so that they can wash their hands and get clean, they ask God to forgive them, but they go back and live the life the way they want to, and they don't come back and return to His presence until they need to get clean again. But the Bible says those that did that would never have changed, never life built purpose, and they wandered in the wilderness for the rest of their lives. But then, there's an inner courts. The Bible says, and there were, there were some that were a part of a family, and you're a part of that family if you're a child of God, that would move from the outer courts, making this thing a, just a convenience, just and just to do it to feel good about it. But you move on into the intercourse and on the intercourse becomes the workings. And I got to this is where religion and things get tough is because that's where they have to set the, the priest family. They would sacrifice and they would clean and they would do all of that kind and it became work. But if you stay in the work, you'll burn out. If you stay in just the work side and relationship, you will burn out at that point and you'll go right back into the intercourse and be just like everybody else. But the Bible says, but then there was the Most holy of holies. And in there, there was a box. And the presence of God sat there. And in that box, there were three things. There was a, a staff. That once was dead, that budded fruit again. When you move into that relationship that I'm talking about, you desire to have that encounter with God, everything that was once dead in your life begins to bloom again. There was a time my marriage was dead. But when we moved into that relationship, I have a third child that we never planned on having. Life begins to come out of that thing because of the presence of God at work in your situation. Now, not only was there a staff that was dead that lived again, the Bible says also there was these... These um, tablets, the Ten Commandments. The law. That sounds bad. But you know what the law is? David said this. The law have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. When you get into a relationship that's well beyond all that, you get the power to be able to say no to sin. That sin that's been tripping you up forever can't have the power because the law is hidden in your heart. And you will not sin against them. And then the Bible says there was a bowl. And in that bowl was full of manna. It means when the children of Israel... Could not find food, could not make food, could not earn food. God supplied all their needs. I want you to know something. I am not broke in the middle of a pandemic because I have a relationship with God. And he has been faithful to every one of his words because of the relationship. You say, well, Craigie, that's all Old Testament. Where's the New Testament? He drew it again in the New Testament. When Jesus came, the Bible says he went, and there were thousands of people that loved him. But then there were 70. There were 70 people that followed him. And out of that 70, though, they, they knew him. They walked with him. They traveled with him. And they went places with him. They saw him do miracles. But they were never affected because they were not there. They were not there when the cross, at the cross. But so, there were people, they were there in the religious side of it. They were going along with the movement. But then there were 12. Out of 12 of those, he built a relationship with And those twelve that he built a relationship with, he walked with and he talked with and he ate and he taught and he showed them. They saw God and the effects of God. But then, out of those twelve, there were three. The Bible said when Jesus would go through different things... He was always going back to Peter, James, John. He was always moving to where they were. And when he was in the toughest night of his life, he came and it says he got Peter, James, John. And said, come with me. They went, it says they went a little bit farther. These three got closer and went farther with Jesus than anyone else. But then there was one. There was one. And his name was John. And the Bible calls him John the Beloved. Now you've got to understand this. John the Beloved... John is only called the Beloved in the book of John, and that's the book that he wrote. He thought he was Jesus' favorite. It said John the Beloved. Because he knew Jesus so well. He was so close to Jesus. If you ever, I played this game all the time with the girls. I'm like, girls, who's y'all's favorite? They're, you, daddy. And I say, you know who my favorite is? And they're like, who? I say, you, if the other ones aren't around. Um, They always think that they're my favorite. And I think that's the way it worked with John. John was constantly wanting to be so close to Jesus that he knew he was his favorite. That's why he called himself John. You say, well, how do you know that, cricket? Because the Bible said this. The Bible says that John would come up to Jesus and he would put his head on his breast. That sounds weird. Sounds like a sissy. John was no sissy. Spiritual things are not sissy. They said he put his head on his chest. Why would he do that? I believe because he wanted to be so close to Jesus that he could hear the very heartbeat of Jesus. John was no sissy. He was bald and whole. Didn't kill him. He was whipped and beat. Didn't kill him. He was imprisoned on the Isle of Patmos. He didn't come out of all the disciples, all the seventy and all the twelve and all the three, the only one to die of old age recorded was John. And when Jesus got ready to leave, and he had to make a choice of who am I going to leave everything to, the Bible says he looked at John and said, Hey, won't you take care of my mama? You know what happens when you take care of the mama? You get everything. Anything, I believe, you know, there were people that were gambling for Jesus' clothes, but he had more than one set of clothes. You know who I think inherited them? I believe John got to strut around, dressed like Jesus, walking like Jesus, talking like Jesus, because he desired to be so close to Jesus that even if it meant if nobody else does, I'm going to be the one that's there. And that's what has to happen. The desire for you to be in the presence of God and the desire for you to have a relationship with God becomes so important to you that nothing else matters. Then in return, what happens is this. You find yourself with the ministry and you find yourself making a difference and you find yourself completely happy and fulfilled and all your needs met. It all comes from the throwback. I don't care what happens, where you go. You find yourself without a need for God you're going to find yourself going through all this stuff alone. The principle we need today is you got to go higher. If you're not happy with where you are with the Lord right now, it's up to you. You can make a difference. You can choose to change that at this very moment. We're calling this throwback. And when I sent Leah a text yesterday, I said, hey, can you do this song? Her response back, you talking about that old song? <laughs> I said, yeah, we're doing throwback. And so we're about to do an old song. And I'm going to ask you, if you're not happy with where you are with the Lord right now, if you're not where you think God wants you to be, I'm going to ask you to climb a little higher. Move on up. You know, it's hard to climb without raising your hands and reaching higher. It's hard to climb without taking a step. I don't know where your step is. Maybe you've never raised your hand in a worship song. Maybe you've never taken a step to come forward. Maybe you've never come to an altar and laid it all down. But are you as close to God as you want to be? Because going forward from here, nothing may ever be the same, but the one thing you can count on that will never change will be the relationship that you can have with God. He will see you through it all. And so we're going to do this one song. I'm going to open up the altar. I'm going to open up the room. I'm going to open up whatever you want to. They'll make it romantic in here. Guys, make the auditorium romantic with the lights. We're going to do an old song. I'm going to ask you, if you could make one move in the next few minutes that would draw you closer to God than you've ever been, would you make it? Would you take that step or you move on up? Will you go forward in your commitment and your relationship with the Lord? And if you will, I can promise you this. When you walk out this door, you will be completely different. You will be completely transformed. What used to hold you back, what used to make you bow under, that's what religion does, makes you bow under, what used to wear you out will completely be transformed into a life-giving relationship that God has for you. If you need to get things right with the Lord, come to the altar. If you want to take a step closer to the Lord, move into this song. And let's throw back right here.